Um, our scripture reading this morning comes from Genesis, the first chapter, um, verses, uh, uh, well, all the way to the second chapter with verse three. This is a long one, um, and, uh, and I just don't, don't see any way around it. And we're going to talk about creation this morning, so we're going to um, uh, tell the whole creation story. And uh, what I like to do, um, I'm not really a, a lectionary preacher. Um, what I like to do is I like to, in the fall, um, tell the story of the, uh, the Old Testament and, um, and then next fall pick up where I left off. And maybe in about five or six years we'll get through all of it. And, and then in winter, I like um, uh, right after Christmas, Jesus is born between Christmas and Easter. Uh, we'll look at one of the Gospels together. Um, the story of Jesus, and then in the spring, um, we'll read one of the epistles, one of the letters together. And that way, each year, we kind of go through the whole story of the Bible together. And so, this morning, we're starting at the beginning, uh, the beginning of everything. And so, um, hear now the word of our Lord from Genesis, the first chapter, starting with verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land. And the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seeds in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with the seed in it, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening. And there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living things with which the water teems that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. 
God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth, fill the water and the seas, and let the birds increase in the sky. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own image. And our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished his work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a long one, wasn't it? It's an important one. When I was in high school, I had a biology teacher named um, Mr. Oosley. And Mr. Oosley was a Christian. He was a man of faith. And he was a man of great compassion and grace and charity. And the reason I know this is because he gave me a C in biology. And I deserved much worse. I was that kid that sat in the back of the biology class and was just sort of saying to himself, boring right? Um, biology was my first class uh, of the day. And so I was, I'm not a morning person. I was tired. My eyelids were always heavy. I did well the first couple of weeks when we were talking about animals and, and, and what kingdom they were in, and species and genus and that kind of thing. But then as soon as we got to DNA and, and molecules and amino acids and all of that kind of thing, I started to lose track of the thread. I was just never really good at biology. 
Today, I think everything I know about biology, I know from the Jurassic Park movies, you know, about genes and DNA and so forth. And that's all a way to tell you um, I'm not the sort of preacher that can sit up here and explain about DNA and about um, uh, 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 evolution and all of those sorts of things. And if you're sitting there hoping that I'm going to uh, uh, take up your cause and defend your worldview, or if you're uh, sitting there dragging that maybe I might take up someone else's cause and defend their worldview, um, I'm just not the guy. I just have to admit that smarter people than I do know about biology. Um, and even today, when I try and read um, the debates about you know, um, uh, 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 intelligent design and, uh, and radiocarbon dating and, and, and irreducible complexity and all those kinds of things, I'm still that kid in the back of the class going, boring. Right? I'm still that kid that that, that just does not care about biology and just not good at biology. And the way I see it anyway, especially in the Methodist church, we tend to be a 50-50 church or a 60-40 church when it comes to just about everything, don't we? And I think in most of our Methodist churches, if we, if we took a poll, we'd find that you know, um, about 50% of us belong in, in, in the Creation Museum crowd, and about 50% of us belong in the Museum of Natural History crowd, if you get my drift. And I've always thought that was okay. And I've always thought whatever museum you go to, whether it's the Creation Museum up in Kentucky where they've got the Ark or whether it's the Museum of Natural History over in Washington where they've got the dinosaur bones. As long as you come out of that museum humming to yourself how great thou art, I think that's okay. However you think it happened, as long as you know who did it, I think that's what matters. Because I'm not real good at science. I'm not really good at biology. What I love is stories. Probably noticed that about me. I just love to spin a yarn and tell a story. And that's what speaks to me. So I want to tell you all a story this morning. A story that takes place uh, 2,500 years ago in the northern kingdom of Israel. It's a story about a young um, mother named Esther. Not that Esther. Not the famous one that you read about in the Bible. You, you've never heard of this Esther. She's just a mother. She's just a devout Hebrew trying to raise her kids right. It was hard back then. Because, um, because in the late northern kingdom of Israel, um, uh, sure, people worshipped the Lord, the one true God, but they also had all of these other influences at the same time. People still um, worshipped their ancestors, and they still had household gods among their possessions. And, and as much as the prophets decried it, people still couldn't help but worship the gods of their neighbors and the gods of other nations. 
And the Hebrew people still have the stories they learned when they were slaves in Egypt. The stories about the old gods. And there was this, this new empire called the Assyrian Empire that, that, that was gaining dominance and it was winging battles. And the stories of their national god, Marduk, was, uh, was in the air. And people were hearing those stories. So imagine you're this young mother, Esther. And you're trying your best. You're a devout Hebrew and you're trying your best to, to tell your kids the stories of our people, the stories of who we are and the story of our God and what he is like. But then you pack their lunch every day and you send them out in the world and they're hearing different stories. And frankly, they're more exciting stories. Right? The stories of, of these other gods like Baal, the thunder god, right? And, and, and these, these gods, they have swords and they have shields and they wear helmets and they fight like, like sea monsters and stuff like that. And those are exciting stories. And the Lord, the one God, doesn't have much to do with this time, does he? Except occasionally come down here and mix it up with the old people with long beards and bathrobes, right? Hard to compete with, 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 with the gods of other nations when by comparison your god just seems so boring. So imagine you're Esther and you're, 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 um, uh, uh, she's, 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 she's washing her dishes one day and she's looking out the window and she sees her kids playing. And the oldest has found this, uh, this, 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 this crooked stick that looks like a lightning bolt. And the oldest is pretending he's Baal, the thunder god. And he's chasing the other kids uh, around the yard and, and, and telling them that they have to be the sea monster and that, and that he's Baal. And just imagine being Esther and, and your heart is just sinking into your stomach. You try and you try and you try and, and you tell them the stories that you want them to play and the stories that you want them to know. And they go out there and they hear all these other stories. And so that night after dinner, you're singing around the campfire. And, uh, and the time has come to tell stories. Now, it's usually the head of household job, the male. It's Roger's job in this family. Good Hebrew name, Roger. And, uh, and Roger's job is, 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 is one of the kids is going to ask a question like, um, uh, uh, you know, um, where, where do dogs come from or, or some kind of question. And then Roger is going to stand up and he's going to tell a story that answers the question. Well, the time comes and the oldest son asked the first question. It says, how did we get here? And Roger begins to tell the story. You know that story, remember? We were slaves in Egypt. We were slaves in Egypt. Remember Moses, the Pharaoh, the burning bush, the Red Sea? And Esther's oldest says, no, not how did we get here, not how did we Hebrews get here, but all of us. How did people get here? 
my friend, see, he says that in the beginning, there was a great war up in heaven. See, all the gods were fighting. Um, um, uh, the, sea, the sea goddess Tiamat, this great dragon, uh, decided to wage war on heaven. And, and the sea goddess, the great dragon Tiamat, um, created all of these, uh, of the, these half scorpion, half men creatures and let them loose up in heaven. And the gods were afraid of them. And the gods didn't want to fight them. And then Marduk stood up. And Marduk says, I'll fight them for you, but only if you make me king afterwards. And listen, it was awesome. Marduk had his sword, and he was slicing and dicing the, 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 the scorpion men, and, and, and he, he kicked all their butts and, and drove them out of heaven and, 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 and killed them all. And then... He took the sea dragon Tiamat and he sliced her in half, filleted her like a fish. And the top half became heaven and the bottom half became earth. And then he took Tiamat's blood and he created people out of the blood to be his slaves. Well, Esther doesn't know what to make of this story. And, his, and her youngest daughter looks up at her and says, is that true? Are we blood? Are we slaves? Well, Esther starts to say, no, of course not. That, that, that's what the Assyrians say. And, and the Assyrians are, are, are this, this cruel army and they've got these swords and, and they're always taking over people. So of course they'd say the gods are like that. And, and of course they'd say they want us all to be their slaves. So of course they'd say that, that, that Marduk wants us to be his slaves. And she's trying to explain this to them and they're not really picking up what she's laying down. And then the middle child speaks. No, I heard it was like this. My uncle says that, that back when we lived in Egypt, they told a story about the sun god, Ra. And Ra had this great all-seeing eye. And, and, and this eye, the eye of Ra, could see anything in the universe. But one day the eye wanders away. And then Ra doesn't have his eye and he can't see anything. And so he's sad. And so... Uh, 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 he sends his, his twin son and daughter, Shu and Tefnut, to go retrieve the eye. And so they go, they, they go try and retrieve it, and they finally find the eye, but the eye doesn't want to go back. And so they struggle and try to take the eye back by force. And then they poke the eye in the eye. And tears begin to fall. And when those tears hit the ground, they become human beings. You see, it, it was an accident. It was a mistake. And Esther's youngest daughter looks up and says, Is that true? Are we tears? Are we a mistake? And Esther's looking around. Roger is sitting on his log, useless. Doesn't know what to say. Surely you can sympathize, right? All of us who have kids, who have had kids, or have grandkids, we know what it is to, to try and instill our values in them and try and tell them our story about who we are and, and whose we are and then send them out in the world that tells a completely 
different story, right? Maybe they don't go out there and learn the uh, Assyrian and Egyptian creation myths, but they do learn a story that tells them that they are blood and tears and nothing else. They do learn a story that tells them that they are a slave to forces that do not care about them. That they, that, 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 that they are a cosmic accident. We gather around our campfires, don't we? Around our television sets, and we get told stories. Stories of, about a band of, 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 of apocalypse survivors that, that, that are, are, are against a horde of zombies. A, a story about a, a high school chemistry teacher's slow descent into becoming a, a, a meth-dealing mob boss. A story about a kingdom far away in, in, in Westeros where, where, uh, where people are fighting over an iron throne that no one is really fit to sit on. And all those stories kind of have the same message, don't they? We're alone here. Truth is what we make it. There's no one up in the watchtower. We're just a product of forces beyond our control, a cosmic accident, blood and tears and nothing else. We hear this story in our institutions of higher learning, Sometimes, don't we? I'm not just talking about, about the, the science and the, and the physics and the mathematics division. You know, I, I, I majored in English. And all throughout English literature, especially in the modern age, is this story over and over about how we're here alone and truth is what we make it. As an English major, I had to, to, to memorize poems like, uh, like um, The Dover Beach by Matthew Arnold. And, and, and Matthew Arnold is, uh, is, is, is on his balcony one night, and he's looking over at this beach. And, and in the distance, he can hear, um, it's during World War I, he can hear these armies fighting each other. Young boys that don't even understand why they're fighting. And Matthew Arnold says, Ah, love, let us be true to one another. For this world which seems to lie before us like a land of dreams so various, so beautiful, so new, hath neither really love, nor joy, nor light, nor servitude, nor help from pain. We are here as on a darkling plain swept with confused alarms of struggle and flight where ignorant armies clash by night. Translation, truth is what we make it. We're here alone, blood and tears and nothing else. As a youth pastor, I discovered too many people heard this story in their own homes. You're the product of an accident, a slave to forces you can't control. You're gonna be who you're gonna be and there's nothing you can do about it. Blood and tears, kid, nothing else.
So Esther's staring at Roger, staring at her kids. They're all staring back at her. The fire's flickering. So she stands up and she tells the story. Slaves. No, children, we're not slaves. Accident. No, children, we are not an accident. We're not, we're not blood and tears. We're not the, 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 in the beginning, there was no, no war in heaven. There's no division. It went like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke everything. And as he spoke it, it came to be. See, first all was waste and void. It was just water every direction you could see, pure unbridled chaos, and he took it and he separated it. He spoke, and the water above became the sky, and the water below became the sea. He spoke, and then there was land. And he saw the sky and the sea and the land and decided it ought to be populated. So he created birds and he created fish and he created animals to walk across the land. He spoke and it was. And every step of the way, he looked at it and he said, this is good. This is exactly how it's supposed to be. And children, it was good. It wasn't very good yet. Something was missing, something that would tip the scales. And so God said, let us make mankind in our own image. See, God looked out across the whole universe, the stars, the seas, the, the forests, everything. He looked out over all of it and was missing you, children. And so he created you to fill the void. And he created you in his own image, his own likeness. Do you know what that means, children? See, see, when we were back in Egypt, the, the Pharaoh would wear this little eye on his forehead, this, this eye of Ra. And this eye of Ra was to tell everyone that, 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 that Pharaoh was the image of God. And the, the Pharaoh was God's representative on earth, and you had to be his slaves. And now this new king over in Assyria, this emperor, Tiglath-Pileazar, he wears this double crown, just like the god Marduk, because he's the image of God, God's representative on earth. But that's not our story, children. Our story is that God created us all in his image. We're not created to be slaves to emperors and kings. We're created to rule over the earth. All of us are created in God's image, and all of us are given, our lives are given dignity and purpose and meaning. And we're here. And then he blessed us. He blessed us, says, go forth and, and produce and create and multiply and make things and live and love and reflect my image through all of that. See, you're not an accident. You're not blood and tears and nothing else. You are not a slave to forces that do not care about you. You are fearfully 
and wonderfully made by a loving Father who created you in his likeness. That is who we are, children. That is our story, children. So everyone's quiet. Esther sits down on her seat, fire still flickering. All the children are looking at each other, looking at Roger, looking at Esther. The oldest son stands up. He's got this crooked stick that looks like a lightning bolt. He tosses it in the fire. He sits back down. He says, Mommy, can you tell us the one again about how we were slaves in Egypt? And so she does. Now, 2,500 years later, thereabouts, their story is our story. We're going to leave here and we're going to go out into a world that doesn't know who they are or what they're doing here. A, a world that has stories that, that tells them that, 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 that they are on their own. That they are alone here. There's no one up in the watchtower. They're responsible for themselves and no one else. They're a the product of, of forces beyond their control. A cosmic accident. We have a different story. We have a story that says that the one that created the stars, that decided where every planet should be to put the ring around Saturn, also made our fingerprints, also numbered the hairs on our heads. the one that causes the molecules to dance and to make up all the things in our universe, also gave us a soul and breathed in us the breath of life. And you and I have purpose and dignity and meaning, and our purpose is to reflect his image in the world, in a world that doesn't know who they are or why they're here. That's our story. And that's just the beginning, isn't it? That's just where our story starts. Because that same creator God, that same spirit that hovered above the waters, loved this world so much that he sent his one and only son so that through his blood and through his tears we have eternal life. That's our story. And I'm sticking to it. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.